Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God, a biblical instructional program. I have shifted the program for those who are paying attention uh, from Shabbat Saturday to Sunday. The reason why I am... uh, participating more locally in the Ohio area, so um, I needed to make a wise uh, decision based on whether or not I have enough time to prepare for the program on Saturday, and I don't. So I think Sunday is a good time. Um, A lot of people do uh, open their minds to to Yah in this country or God on Sunday, so I'm hoping that um, there will be more people that will listen to this program on Sunday at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, for those in the United States and around the world, Shalom, which is Hebrew for peace. On this program, I'm going to talk about something that um, perhaps people may be confused about. Uh, Who is a pastor? Uh, I've had someone tell me, uh, you're not my pastor. And I don't know whether or not this individual understood what they were saying, but uh, I'm going to explain today what scripturally and biblically a pastor is, and that a pastor is needed in an assembly. An assembly uh, is translated church, ecclesia in the Greek, in the New Testament, and in the Old Testament uh, is uh, in the Septuagint version, which is the Greek text of the uh, Old Testament or the Tanakh that was uh, created back in 250 B.C. Uh, When you look at the word congregation, it it, uh, also indicates that it's an assembly. So uh, we're going to talk about that. But first of all, as I do on this program, we're going to talk about uh, any uh, significant world events that are occurring. And the website that I go to, well, first, before I even go there, I just want to give you a disclaimer here. And that disclaimer is the following. Uh, This program is about us following Yeshua's example. Let's turn to 1 John, 1 John, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. It says, My little children... These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation or the covering, uh, which uh, Yom Kippur, one of the uh, holy days that this great man, Yeshua, kept while he was on the earth, and he's still keeping while he's in heaven, uh, represents the propitiation or the covering for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. So he didn't just die, ladies and gentlemen, for the for Israel. He died for everyone, verse 3. And hereby we do know him, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments, if is a condition, if we keep our commandments, commandments if we keep his commandments, meaning that, there's a possibility that some people won't keep his commandments. That's the reason why you have the word if. 
that it's a possibility that uh, you don't want to keep the commandments, even though you know you should. Verse 4, he that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. What is the truth, ladies and gentlemen? Psalm 119, verse 142 says, the Torah, which is translated law in your King James Version, is the truth. Psalm 119, verse 142. Verse 5, but whosoever keeps his word. And the Torah means all the instructions and, and doctrines of Yah, which is the entire Bible. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6, he that says he abides in him, all himself also to walk, even as he walked. The original Greek for that, it means to uh, to follow. So we need to follow. Yeshua's example. Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. says, Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's interesting, when this statement is made in verse 9, it says, Be not cared about with various and strange doctrines. And people are cared about today with the latest Torah teacher and the latest this and the latest that, and there's nothing wrong with listening to, to other shepherds or, or pastors or Torah teachers, which you're going to learn today. That's what pastors are. But you, you must, just like with me, you need to test what we say. Well, test meaning look up the scriptures for yourself to make sure that I'm quoting accurately. So that's what it means by being not cared about with various and strange doctrines that word strange in the original the original greek for that is foreign foreign alien <laughs> doctrines and i could think of a few uh, on the off the top of my head but uh, a strange doctrine really is a is a teaching that can't be proved by the scriptures ladies and gentlemen i've heard all kinds of strange that um uh, uh we are the fallen angels um uh which can't be proved scripturally, uh, that the Shabbat, for those who understand what the Sabbath day is, is the seventh day of the week. And we are commanded to rest and assemble on that day. And Yeshua did that in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. That was his habit to, to assemble with people uh, in the synagogue. And the synagogue, of course, is uh, is where we get our church buildings today in this country around the world from the Jewish synagogue. But anyway, he fellowshiped also in addition to resting on that day, and that's what you should do. And you have people advocating strange teachings that it's okay uh, for one Shabbat of the month to just be with your family or just to be by yourself uh, and not fellowship with other, people's, with other people or other families. And that's nowhere in the scriptures. Now, of course, if you're sick, uh, if you're exhausted, it's a form of sickness, and so forth, then that's different. But uh, if you are able to fellowship with people, you are commanded of Yah to, to fellowship with people. And then people say, well, is this a salvation issue? Well, yes, it is. If you sin, if you know to do good, and you don't do it, it's called sin, ladies and gentlemen. James chapter 4. Verse 17, therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And what is sin called, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, James, chapter 1, verse 15. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Okay, to finish sin, you have to keep on sinning. And, and, and if you keep on sinning and don't repent, then it brings forth death. That's what it means. And so... We have to, and what is sin? What's the definition of sin? Most people don't even understand what the definition of sin is. First John 3, verse 4 says, Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law or the Torah or the instructions and doctrines of Yah or God. Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law or Torah, for sin is the transgression of the Torah or the law, as translated in the King James Version. So, we have to take 
sin seriously, ladies and gentlemen, and it is a salvation issue if you uh, don't care about keeping his commandments. It is a salvation. You will not have salvation unless you prove that you believe in the Messiah and the Father by obeying them. All right, that is pretty clear in the scriptures. Uh, he is our master. He expects us to believe him. And if you don't believe him by showing through your obedience that you believe him, then you're certainly not going to be in his kingdom. In James 1, verse 23, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightforward forgetteth what manner of man he was. All right, so you have to learn how to keep the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you do that and you do the best you can, you will be able to enter the kingdom of God, ladies and gentlemen. And James 2 verse 10 plainly states, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, the whole Torah, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Verse 11, for he that says, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Okay? So... You can't just keep one commandment and say, okay, well, the other I don't have to keep. No, you're going to have to keep all the commandments to the best of your ability. And remember, in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it plainly states the following. It states that we are the witness of these things, and it's also the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. So if you obey Yah, or God, he will give you the Holy Spirit so that you can continue to obey him. He knows that you need help keeping his commandments. So I just want to make that clear to you, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to stop listening to strange doctrines, and we need to get back to the basics of this Bible that I preach each and every week. And we must keep the commandments. Keeping the commandments has something to do with salvation. Let's turn to Psalm 119, despite what some people preach. I'm going to preach the truth out of the Bible, and if you don't want to hear it, you can listen to someone else. Psalm 119, verse 166, in the King James Version. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation. All right, so we hope for salvation, but that has something to do with keeping the commandments. I have hoped for thy salvation. And done thy commandment. Whenever we do the commandments, we're hoping for salvation. So salvation is truly linked with keeping the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. I know in in certain messianic circles, that's not you know, they, they don't see the the linkage of keeping the commandments and salvation, but it certainly has something to do with it, ladies and gentlemen. You just can't just. Uh, use grace as a license to sin. And Romans chapter 6 explains this to us. I'm just taking a little time to explain this because some people are just very confused about salvation and what it represents. But anyway, Romans 6 verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And grace is uh, God's favor and also empowerment to, to keep the law as well. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? And know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, that were immersed into Jesus Christ, were immersed into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by immersion into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. So, folks, we must do the best we can to obey the commandments. Again, in, in Romans 6, verse 12, since you know what sin is, sin is a transgression of the law, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, 
That's the goal. We shouldn't have sin at all in our marching body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye members instrument of unrighteousness into sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And that simply means you're not under the curse of the law, but under grace. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are under the law? Not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He says, God forbid. All right, so let's understand now. Uh, just because you, you believe in Yeshua Messiah doesn't give you the right to just go ahead and sin whenever you want. You don't have to repent, and you've made it. Once saved, always saved. No, it's, that that's not that can be proved all throughout the Bible that that's not the case, ladies and gentlemen. So, so let's understand that, and you know, righteous people can can lose it. Unfortunately, the Bible uh, reveals that, and and uh, we need to understand that uh, God is not going to tolerate anyone, and I mean anyone, doesn't make a difference who it is that refuses to obey him, uh, you won't enter the kingdom of God. So in Ezekiel 33, verse 8, it says here, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. And I take that very seriously. That's the reason why you know, I generally uh, preach correction messages, um, and I have to do that because if I don't, people that listen to me, um, and if you guys don't repent, then your blood will be on my hand. And then verse 9, Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered thy soul. <laughs> and so I want to deliver my soul. So, and then verse 11, Say unto them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turns from his way and live. Turn ye, or, or do to shiver, repent. Turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And let me put a little disclaimer there. Who is Israel? Well, Israel uh, amazingly consists of the, the nations today, of the which, well, let me just give you the, the nations that they consist of today, the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations. The countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and of course anyone around the world that believes that Yeshua is the Messiah, Hamashiach. So, to get further proof of this for free, uh, you can buy his books if you want. But there's enough information on his website where you don't have to. But uh, you know, I do have his books, so I recommend you buy him too if you want to. Uh, so www.beasinboyritam.org, www.beasinboyritam.org, Britam.org. Uh, this is Yer Davidi's website. I try to plug him almost every week because he really will give you the information to understand who Israel is and to understand the end-time prophecies in the Bible. Because if you don't know who Israel is, it's going to be very difficult for you to understand the end-time prophecies. So go to his website, www.beasinboyritam.org, and he proves definitively that what I just told you is true, that the uh, United States and Britain is a part of the ten tribes or the so-called ten lost tribes of Israel. And he goes into detail using... Um, biblical records or references and also outside or secular uh, references as well. So, now that you know that who Israel is, he says, while you die, O house of Israel, verse 12, therefore thou son of man say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of, of his transgression. And so, this is the eternal Yah speaking, ladies and gentlemen, let's take him serious. He ought to know, more than anyone, what a human being is capable of. And we have to take his word seriously. In Isaiah chapter 66, hold your place here in Ezekiel 33, verse 12, and we'll turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 66. 
Isaiah chapter 66. Verse 2. For all those that have my hand made and all those things have been, says the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. So we have to take his word seriously, ladies and gentlemen. We have to take his word seriously. And we can't reason around his words. When we start to do that, that's when we we start to to uh, have our own private interpretations, which in Second Peter 1 verse 20 tells us plainly we shouldn't, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. first five books of the Bible was written by a prophet. Um, several of the other scriptures in the Tanakh were written by prophets. In the uh, Apostolic Scripture, basically, it was written by a prophet. Uh, Yeshua inspired his servants, and Yeshua is a prophet, to write the inspired Apostolic Scriptures, which are prophetic as well, many of them or several of them, rather. So, let's understand that we can't use our private interpretation. So, we we have to understand that there's a way that seems to be right. But those ways, I'm trying to find that scripture here, those ways end up in the ways of death. So, we we need to, to understand that. And... Here we go. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way which seems right unto a man. But the end there are the ways of death. So let's let's stop thinking the way we want to think. And we need to, to think the way God thinks. And, we, and one of those, and how we do that is take his word seriously. So let's get back to Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 12. It says, Therefore thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness, and what is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172. Righteousness is keeping the commandments. That's something to do with the commandments again. The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. So, Yah is saying that the righteous can sin. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turned from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sins. So what he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, and this is key because this is the time of repentance. Uh, we we reached a new month here, Elu, and it's a time of repentance here toward the holy days of Yom Teror or the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And then after those two holy days, then we have the Feast of Sukkot, which pictures the millennium. In Revelation chapter 20, it, it pictures the millennial kingdom, the world tomorrow, as Mr. Armstrong used to say, uh, where it's going to be peaceful and everyone will get along with each other. That world is coming, and that's, is, that is pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles. And then after the Feast of Tabernacles, we have Shem, Shemini Azaret, which is the last great day, and that day pictures... Uh, the great Father himself, Father God, coming down and living on this earth with his son and with all his additional sons. <laughs> and it will be a new heaven, a renewed heaven and a renewed earth, and everything will be perfect, and there will be no more death, no more crying. Everyone will get along with each other. Everyone will be composed of, of spirit, and who knows, we, we may even create other human. I don't know, this is not scripture, but uh, why are all those dead planets out there, all those planets that seem to be in a state of decay, as the Bible indicates in Romans chapter 8? You know, uh, Yah obviously is going to have us do creating, and we're going to just expand the universe forever and ever and ever. And who knows what we'll, what kind of life we'll create on additional planets. But that's that's a picture of the future, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, 
He shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his righteousness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sins. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness, and that's what people do today, they trust to their own righteousness and commits iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin, or do teshuva, repent, and do what is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. He has done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. Yet the children of thy people say, The way of the Lord is not equal or not fair, but as for them, their way is not equal. When a righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he's saying when, so he's expecting it to happen to some people, unfortunately. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall even die thereby. The example of Lucifer tells you, Lucifer was perfect, and he turned. So it's possible for someone to turn. That was perfect. Okay? But in the future, what God is doing right now through human beings that he didn't do through, through angels is that he's developing righteous character in us where it, it will be one day impossible for us to sin once we're changed into uh, spirit beings, as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 explains. Anyway, Ezekiel 33, verse 18, when the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall even die therein, or thereby. Verse 19, but if the wicked turns from his wickedness and do what is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Okay, so let's understand that, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, one saved always saved. The only way we're going to be saved is if we continue to obey the commandments. If we continue to obey the commandments and do the best we can, then you're going to prove to God that you do believe him. And yes, ultimately, uh, you will be saved, but you have to overcome until the end. And part of overcoming, ladies and gentlemen, is keeping those commandments. And then Mark 16, verse 16, he that believes and is immersed shall be saved, shall be, that's future tense, shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. And belief has something to do with keeping the commandments, as James chapter 2 outlines and many other scriptures as well. So I just wanted to explain that to you, that this is what this program is all about. It's about understanding we have to keep the commandments and that by keeping the commandments, God will see proof that we do believe him. And because of that belief, we will be allowed to be entered into his kingdom and salvation will the salvation process will be completed. All right. So I just wanted to take a little time to explain that uh, for those who are listening to me that uh, think this once saved, always saved. All right. Now, <clears throat> let's go to World Watch Daily Koenig International News. Uh, Sinai Group says, it was planning cross-border attack when hit by Israeli drone. Uh, Israel-Sinai dilemma says Sinai, like Gaza, has become the hornet's nest of terrorist activity, but unlike Gaza, the vast desert province is part of sovereign Egyptian territory, placing Israel in an ongoing dilemma on how to deal with emerging threats. On the one hand is the need to respect Egyptian sovereignty and maintain a strategically vital peace treaty with Cairo. On the other hand, is the obligation to defend southern Israel from the rising terrorist threat. And here's another headline. Israel and the Gulf States is complicated. I'm looking at watch.org, W-A-T-C-H dot org. All right, and then uh, I was just reading in IsraeliNews.com, Israeli National News, about the temple. Uh, there's lobbying going on here to be able to allow the Jews to be able to pray at the Temple Mount. Hopefully that will occur very soon so they can do that, ladies and gentlemen, because that's very important for them to uh, to do that. So what else in reference to news? Well, let me quote something from one of our presidents, uh, Andrew Johnson, 
I, I usually like to do this, and I haven't done it in a while, but uh, I like to quote some references to God that our presidents uh, wrote. Uh, Prayers and Presidents Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past by William J. Federer. It's a great book, and I'm going to read on page 95 a quote from Andrew Johnson, October 8, 1866, the National Day of Thanksgiving and Praise and Proclamation. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has been pleased to vouchsafe to us a people another year. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has been pleased to vouchsafe to us as a people another year of that national life, which is an indispensable condition of peace, security, and progress. In offering these national thanksgivings, praises, and supplications, we have the divine assurance that the Lord remains a king forever. Them that are meek shall he guide in judgment, and such are as are gentle shall he learn his way. The Lord shall give strength to his people, and the Lord shall give to his people the blessing of peace. I recommend a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, with due remembrance that in his temple does every man speak of his honor. And that was from Andrew Johnson, the 17th President of the United States. God knows we need prayers for this country as we are really headed into great, great filth and um, negative morality in this country with the uh, the rise of homosexuality on a level that has never been in this country. Already Great Britain, as I told you, around the time of Tushabah, uh the ninth of all, which is uh, the date that the first and second temples were destroyed in Jerusalem, uh, Queen Elizabeth announced to the entire world that uh, Great Britain, the Commonwealth of Great Britain, will start to allow same-sex marriage, uh, official 2014. That was major, biblically and prophetically, that that happened around that time. And so, obviously, it won't be long. Well, I don't know if it's going to be long or not, but I don't, I don't think so, based on the the uh, the fact that uh, the Defense of Marriage Act was uh, almost completely destroyed, and now lawyers are working on being able to have every state recognize same-sex marriage. So it doesn't bode well for our country, ladies and gentlemen, and doesn't bode well for uh, the world either, because we we lead the world. So let's find out what's going on domestically here in this country. And I go to a website, The Economic Collapse. And you can go with me if you buy your PC right now. The Economic Collapse, T-H-E-E-C-O-N-O-M-I-C-C-O-L-L-A-P-S-E, blog.com. The Economic Collapse, I would recommend highly that you read and study this blog. It's very thorough, very highly researched. Um, their website is very highly ranked right now. It's uh, ranked 23,471 out of the millions of websites. That's an excellent ranking. So a lot of people actually look at this website, and I can understand why. It has a lot of good information here. So I'm looking at... Uh, there's the rise of the bear, 18 signs that Russia is rapidly catching up to the United States. There's 11 examples of the escalating crime and violence that are plaguing communities across America. Says billionaire issues chilling warning about interest rate derivatives. 40% of U.S. workers make less than what a full-time minimum wage worker made in, in 1968. And let me read a little bit of what he says here. Are American workers paid enough? That is a topic that is endlessly debated all across this great land of ours. Unfortunately, what pretty much everyone can agree on is that American workers are not making as much as they used to after you account for inflation. Back in 1968, the minimum wage in the United States was $1.60 an hour. That sounds very small, but after you account for inflation, a very different picture emerges. Using the inflation calculator that the Bureau of Labor Statistics provides, a dollar sixty in nineteen sixty eight is equivalent to ten dollars and seventy four cents today. And of course, the official government inflation numbers have been heavily manipulated to make inflation look much lower 
than it actually is. So the number for today should actually be substantially higher than $10.74. But for purposes of this article, we will use $10.74. If you were to work a full-time job at $10.74 an hour for a full year with two weeks off for vacation, you would make about $21,480 for the year. That isn't a lot of money, but according to the Social Security Administration, 40.28% of all workers make less than 20000 a year in America today. So that means that more than 40% of all U.S. workers actually make less than what a full-time minimum wage worker made back in 1968. That is how far we have fallen. And, you know, it's a prophecy. I quoted this prophecy the other day. Um, but I'm going to quote it again here in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, this is in the context of the second coming of the Messiah in Malachi 3 verse 5. And I will come near to you to judgment and I will be a swift witness against sorcerers um, and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages. And he's going to come back. One of the major reasons why the Messiah is coming back is because of the oppression of people not getting paid what they're worth. The widow and the fatherless and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. So I just wanted to quote that that scripture there. All right, so let's get to uh, the topic of this Bible study uh, and the remaining minutes that I have here. And this Bible study is about what a pastor is. And uh, I, I, I need to, to to really define this because many people are really, they just don't understand. They just don't understand. So let's start in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Now, I know that... Uh, Yeshua, in Revelation chapter 2, he's, he's against the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, all right, uh, who he hates. And he, he does not like people domineering and controlling in an assembly or church of, of Yah. However, there still must be structure and organization. And in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it reveals that structure and organization. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. And notice that word some. Not everyone is an apostle. Not everyone is a prophet. And some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And pastors and teachers are, are really linked together. They're, they're, they're one and the same. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Messiah. Till we all come in the unity and this is how we're going to come in the unity of the faith when we have this type of structure. And the knowledge of the Son of Yah until a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah, of Christ. That we, and, and this is another thing, that when we have this structure, we avoid the following. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every word of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they be and wait to deceive. Now, what's linked with this, if you go back to Hebrews chapter, well, let's go back there, Hebrews 13, verse 8, what's linked with this is the fact that Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in verse 9 it states, be not cared about with very strange doctrines. And then in verse 8 it's talking about, hey, Yeshua is the same. So what he did back in the first century, he's going to be doing again through you or influencing you to do through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 2, verse 20, it states the following. Galatians 2, verse 20, it states, I am crucified with Messiah, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of Yah, who loved me and gave himself for me. And to understand that Christ is living in you, that means you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is synonymous or similar to the, uh, the Spirit of Messiah. And to prove that, Romans 8, verse 9, For ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if 
be that the spirit of Yah dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, so the spirit of Messiah and the spirit of Yah are one and the same, according to this scripture. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if be that the spirit of Messiah or God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, because, of course, the Messiah is God too. He's the word of God. He is none of his. And then verse 10, and if the Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Messiah dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. Okay, so I just wanted to prove that to you that the spirit of Messiah is the spirit of God because the Messiah is the word of God. So so that's that's synonymous with that. So let's go back to the other scripture here. All right, so that's the reason why we have to have some structure. Now, the word pastor in the original Greek it means a shepherd, one who generally cares for the flock. All right? And obviously, Yah wants us to have shepherds in the assembly. Now, uh, a pastor can also mean <clears throat> or is an elder. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 13, Verse 7, it says, Remember them that which have the rule over you, and rule means authority, okay? Just like when you go to your job, right? Your boss has authority over you, but they shouldn't be ruling over you like a dictator, all right? Because if they are, that's abuse. Well, similarly, uh, elders... Pastors, bishops, overseers, it's the same, basically. Uh, they should not be ruling over you as well in the wrong way. They have authority over you. They tell you what to do and how to do it, but they should not abuse you and control you and and force you to believe what they say. That's, that's, that's being a dictator. Remember, them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. That's the definition of an elder or a pastor or a shepherd whose faith follow, consider the end of their conversation. Then that's interesting. At that, and then it says, Yeshua Messiah is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And then it, then it talks about in verse 9, don't be cared about by various strange doctrines. So it's talking about the structure and remembering Yeshua is in the center of it and that we must believe the word of God. And that we must not be cared about by various or strange doctrines, which unfortunately quite a few people are taken by strange doctrines, ladies and gentlemen, and is unfortunate. And then in First Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 15, it says, in First Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 15, says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And so we, we should respect the elders of the church or the assembly and lately I have suffered very much by not getting the respect that I deserve from people that I have shepherded and then they, these individuals get into a, a state of denial that I did not shepherd them and they don't really understand what shepherd means you know and I, I've tried to, to explain to them uh, what what that is, and they just don't understand. Now, the original Greek for this indicates that an elder. I'm looking up the word elder in the Greek, and I'm using the um, the complete word study dictionary for this. And it states the following: that 
the elders uh, of Christian churches who are committed to the direction and government of individual churches equal to an overseer or a bishop. And this is uh, several scriptures that uh, that prove that. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 30. Acts 14, verse 23. Acts 15, verse 2. Um, Titus 1, verse 5. Etc. So, let's understand uh, the truth of that, ladies and gentlemen, about an elder, a shepherd, a pastor. They're one and the same. And it's very important that you, you respect shepherds. Now, in, in Jeremiah chapter 3, gives you the function of a shepherd. Jeremiah chapter 3, how much time do I have left here? 13 minutes, okay. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And I will give you pastors. That word pastor, again, is a shepherd. Okay, they tend to the flock. According to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So that's the purpose of a shepherd. And uh, in Romans, I get some people saying that we don't have to be taught. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches us. But in Romans chapter 10, what does it say here? Romans chapter 10. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This word preacher means uh, a proclaimer of the gospel. So there has to be a preacher, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's not deceive ourselves. Uh, uh, there has to be a preacher. Uh so that you can understand the words of God. And that has been the case for ages, and it always will be the case until the Messiah comes back, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the way it is. And then people have taken this scripture out of context to say, I don't need to be taught by anyone, and yet they're being taught by other people. <laughs> Uh, anyway, First John 2, verse 27. They take this scripture out of context. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teaches you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and it no lie, and even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. And people take this out of context and say, hey, we don't need anyone to teach us. And Gil, let me just use his... Uh, Commentary here it says not that they were perfect in knowledge, for no man is absolutely only comparatively so in this life, or they that needed not, and were above and exempt from the instructions of Christ's faithful service. For John himself taught them, and the teaching instructing was the end of his writing this epistle to them. But the sense is either that they needed not the teachings of these men before mentioned, the Antichrist, the liars, the deducers, being better taught and having an an unction by which they knew all things, or they needed not to be taught as if they were babes in Christ, as unskillful in the word of righteousness, but so as to increase in spiritual knowledge and go on to perfection and be established in the present truth, at least so as be put in remembrance of them, or rather they needed not, nor were they to regard any mere human revelation and doctrine, okay, for the whole gospel was come by Jesus Christ. So anyway, that's what that's meaning, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's not saying that... Uh, You've reached a point where you don't need to know anything. All right, and then people take that out of context, and yet they're being taught by other people, or they're reading the scriptures, which is, was written by men, right, <laughs> that were inspired by God. So you're not going to get away with being taught by human beings, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, our parents taught us uh, when we read books. Uh, those books are written by men and women. Uh, so they're actually teaching us through the written word. Uh, etc. So let's use our common sense here. Uh, we're always going to be taught by men and sometimes women about some things, ladies and gentlemen. So let, let's let's uh, stop the foolishness, and um, because that's that's being a little foolhardy uh, when uh, you think that you can't be taught anything by somebody biblically or any or any other way. <laughs> 
for that matter. So let's let's understand that. And you know, people uh, God puts elders or pastors or shepherds in His assembly. In Acts chapter twenty verse twenty eight, take heed therefore your yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. All right, so that that's another responsibility. And then I was reading Numbers uh, a few days ago, and the scripture came up. It's a pretty good scripture that describes the function that is necessary uh, for organization. And Moses knew this. He was a very wise man, Numbers 27, verse 15. And Moses spoke it to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, which it proves that we do have a spirit in us, which is another Bible study. Matter of fact, in the archives, I've, I've covered that, what happens after you die. Um, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them and which may go in before them, which may lead them out and which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep, which have no shepherd. And, of course, Joshua was chosen. He wasn't the only shepherd. He was the he was the head shepherd of all the other shepherds, but there were other shepherds as well. Again, even the, the, the Torah itself um, reveals that it has to be structure. And we are a family. We are a family. The assembly of Yah is a family, and when you have a family, you have to have structure in that family. If you don't have structure in the family, then just like the many families in this country and around the world, when you don't have the father leading like he should, what happens? Well, the family becomes destroyed eventually. Well, the same thing with an assembly. If, if the structure's not there, like it should be, then it will become destroyed. So it's it's just uh, unfortunate, but uh, and just like Yeshua stated here, Matthew twelve verse forty eight. But he asked and said unto them, Matthew twelve verse forty eight, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven. The same as my brother and my sister and mother. Okay, so the family of God, really, ladies and gentlemen, are people that that uh, believe the word of God and do it. So that that is in Luke chapter 8, verse 21. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are them which hear the word of God and do it. So we have to treat each other. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like we're, we're brothers and sisters in the assembly of Yah, and if we don't do that, then we're, we're fooling ourselves, and and uh, we're going to get ourselves in a whole bunch of trouble. Um, you, know, uh, you know, communicating with people in the assembly, and in First Timothy five verse one, we're supposed to treat each other like family. He says, "Rebuke not an elder, but treat him as a father." And the younger men as brethren, like your brothers. The elder women as your mothers. The younger as sisters with all purity. So again, the assembly is a family. And we have to treat each other like a family. Yah wants a family. And he will get a family. Whether you agree with it or not, ladies and gentlemen. And First Peter, First Peter, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort. Let me as you read this in a better version here. Um, the contemporary English version, First uh, Peter 5, verse 1. Church leaders, I am writing to encourage you. I, too, am a leader, and that's translated elder in the uh, King James Version as well, as a witness to Christ's suffering, and I will share in his glory when it is shown to us. Just as shepherds watch over their sheep, you must watch over everyone God has placed in your care. Do it willingly in order to please God, and not simply because you think you must, let it be something you want to do instead of something you do merely to make money. Don't be bossy to the, those people who are in your care, but set an example for them. Then when Messiah, the chief shepherd, which means there's other shepherds, because he's a chief shepherd, returns, you will be given a crown that will never lose its glory. 
says all of you young people should obey your elders. In fact, everyone should be humble toward everyone else. The scripture says God opposes proud people, but he helps everyone who is humble. And another scripture, First uh, Timothy 5, verse uh, 17, says church leaders who do their job well deserve to be paid twice as much, especially if they work hard at preaching and teaching. It is just as the scriptures say, don't muzzle an ox when you are using it to grind grain. You also know the saying, workers are worth their pay. And so uh, that's very important, and I have been preaching, and I will continue to offer all of my teachings for free. However, uh, the Bible commands the following in Galatians 6, verse 6, share every good thing you have with anyone who teaches you what God has said. Okay, so uh, it's very important uh, for you to support a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. And if you're listening to me and learning from me, I am one of your shepherds. And uh, we deserve to be uh, compensated uh, according to the tithes and offerings laws in the Bible. And, and of course, uh, the example of Yeshua in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. He received contributions. Let me um, quote that here. You have a problem with it. Luke 8, verse 1. And read this in the King James Verse. And it came to pass that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Okay, so they they gave, and there's nothing wrong with me asking you to give to, to what I do here. This is a, a great service. And it's, it's available 24-7 uh, on your iPad and iPhones. Uh, you can social media this and refer this to other people. It's a great tool. Uh, and, and I just hope that uh, you have it in your heart to contribute to this. Please listen to this uh, the following commercial about contributing to this work. And I um, encourage you to go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com, click the yellow button, the donate button, and... Uh, Take the opportunity right now to donate to this work. I'll be right back. This ministry gives biblical teachings for free, and we will never sell our teachings. The Lord commands us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so have the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. We are not a 501c3 church or religious organization that is associated with the federal or state government of this world. Therefore, your contributions to this work of Elohim, God, are not tax deductible. However, we appreciate any tithes, offerings, or donations you are willing to give to this work of God. Your contributions will help us to continue to preach the good news of the peaceful and wonderful kingdom of God to as many people as possible over the Internet. To help us preach this important message to as many people as possible, go to our website, MercifulServantsOfGod.com, and click the yellow Donate button. Thank you, and may God bless you. And for those who uh, contribute, May God bless you. For those who don't, may God bless you as well. And I hope that you find in your heart to contribute uh, to this work of Yah. Well, that ends the Bible study on who is a pastor, and I hope you understand who a pastor is. And may God bless and keep you. And Yahweh willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 for behold, 
The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 